welcome to another episode of the Seven Stones podcast. Today we have with us a guest as part of our ongoing series, Humans of Bali, a series where we dive into deep conversations with diverse individuals and topics that form Bali's authenticity. In this episode, the individual sitting across from me is actually someone I met fairly recently. His name is Rudy Hernando, and I ran into him during a river cleanup session one Friday afternoon. As we picked up trash together, I learned that he is originally from Surabaya and he's about to launch a sustainable swimwear business where they turn plastic waste into swim shorts. As we got talking, I only got more intrigued, not only wanting to know more, but I also felt that what he had to say should be shared to a broader audience as well. Basically, I'll be getting to know him and what he's doing through this podcast right now, which is very exciting. So, Rudy, hello and welcome to the Seven Stones podcast. Hi, Tia. How's it going? I'm good. How are you today? Good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me here. How are, How's uh, the week been for you? It was, uh, it's been... Um... Uh, we just started, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just started, but um, my weekend was good. It was uh, fairly chill. As you know, yesterday was uh, Indonesia's Independence Day. We had a little cookout. We invited some friends over. Um, and yeah, we had like many games, like traditional games. Mm. It was pretty fun because <laughs> some of them are foreigners. So it was really cool to uh, introduce them to like Indonesia. You know, those, those yeah. little games with eating uh, crackers, hanging on them, the rope and stuff. Did you do the rope? Uh, the pencil into the bottle yeah i did actually i actually won that game yeah nice nice. (laughs) yeah how's your weekend been it was pretty much the same we did a little barbecue and you know did some of the traditional games with some friends that's nice (laughs) um okay so i'm just gonna get right into it so that people know kind of who you are would you mind giving a little background on basically who you are (laughs) Uh, we know your name but where did you grow up or maybe go to school and all that right uh so i was born in surabaya uh for the most part i grew up in surabaya i did spend some years in the states so um, i moved to the states when i was 16 and onwards i basically spent uh, my high school years and my university there Um, i've always been business oriented so that's actually what i studied i graduated with a bachelor's degree in management and um, yeah but I, I had a chance to work uh, in the U.S. for a bit did some internships where did you study in the U.S.? Uh, in San Francisco San Francisco nice yeah yeah it's the best city in the world <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my passion uh, ever since uh, ever since middle school was always been working with children actually so oh, nice. I did some volunteer works with UNICEF, uh, if you know Rotary Club. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so the youth program of Rotary Club is called Rotaract. So I was a part of Rotaract Club um, in the U.S. and in Surabaya. And I did an exchange uh, volunteering program called um, ISEC, if you've heard of it as well. So that's when I did some uh, volunteering jobs in uh, Mexico for a while. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, if someone asked me what would... Uh, what do I do during my summer when I was in college I usually would answer something along the line of like just having fun in Mexico and <laughs> just like kids there but um but yeah that's that's just a bit of me um graduated uh, immediately moved back to Indonesia I held an office job for about two and a half years in mm-hmm. Jakarta what um, was that office job it was uh it was it was with a university 
So I helped to uh, recruit students across Southeast Asia for mm -hmm. university. Um, but uh, that job gave me um, a chance to, to really see places I've never been before. Mm -hmm. So across Southeast Asia, obviously, like beaches are everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I noticed is that um, trash are everywhere. It's not just a problem in Bali. Right. Obviously, it's a problem in in the Philippines and in, in, in Thailand, etc. So um, that got me thinking. And when I held my office job, I started doing some research. And yeah, that I came up with a with with the idea. I did some research, and and you know, the rest is history. Now I quit <laughs> my full time job, moved to Bali, and. Here we are. Mm -hmm. Wow, nice. <laughs> so you jumped into all that trash knowledge from your work just going around Southeast Asia. Correct, yeah. Seeing all these beaches. And you did you learn English before you went to the States or did it did you kind of have to jump into that? Um so your English is so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, my parents used to live in Orange County, California when oh, we were kids. Okay. So I guess my parents taught me how to speak English, oh, me and nice. my siblings, yeah. Nice. Um, and what you mentioned that your parents were kind of in the garment business. Correct. Yeah. So my dad owns a garment company mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, basically he always wanted us, me and my siblings to get into the business right from the start. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember growing up inside his warehouse and just like playing around with like socks and like <laughs> <laughs> underwear and stuff. Childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's been it's been it's been fun um but he also taught us like the production process he mm -hmm. taught us the supply chain inventory he taught us how to deal uh with because he he deals mostly with uh mainland chinese people mm -hmm. that's his business partner so we kind of had to learn um mandarin as well and all these things so um yeah wow. you know teaching us the ropes of like garment industry so you're fluent in like three languages then I am. I'm, I'm sad to say that I'm not fluent in Mandarin, but oh, I, I get okay, by. You, can you know. Speak it. Okay. Yeah, I get That's by. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> I do some deals in in, in uh, Mandarin myself, but wow. I mean, I I would need help from my parents to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so your kind of um, your background kind of supports the whole business you're starting now. Right. The whole sustainable swimwear. Right. It's. Um. I would say. Um. Because the way my parents' company do it as pretty traditional right mm -hmm. it's um it's uh we call it fast fashion where you know you it's it's always about quantity instead of quality mm -hmm. you know you always want it to produce things in bulk you want to you want to have one container full of socks you don't really care about the quality because it's it's very cheap a pair of socks would cost probably five thousand rupiah which is like what it's probably 40 cents mm -hmm. so you know who wouldn't want to buy that and you know, I see firsthand that the the waste, the production waste, and of course afterwards, what happens after you wear those socks? You wear two, three times, and you know you got some holes, and you just throw it away because you know I wouldn't bother to stitch it up because it's so cheap. I yeah. could get another one just yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you kind of, you know, seeing the fast fashion and then seeing all that ocean waste in all your travels? combining those what made you decide okay i need to do something about this or i want to change how this goes so um it kind of started with my sort of my love for the water the beach um so i was oh yeah do you surf 
I dive. Um, oh, okay. Trying. I'm learning how to surf. <laughs> um, I've done some surfing um, lessons, but I'm not gonna say I, I know how to surf. But, <laughs> um, but I was uh, in Koni. I don't know if you know that, but that's like a national juniors league for swimming team. Okay. So I spent like about five, six years um, training with them. So mm-hmm. every single morning before going to my uh, to my school, I had to get up at three and swim and practice, wow. and then I would go to school. Yeah. How many hours was that? Oh gosh, it was every single it, it was every single day. So I would say like from three to five, so a.m. Then I I would go to school, and then I'm done around like three p.m. from school. Then I would go back to the pool like three to five again. So like four what? hours a day. Yeah, but at like such a weird hours, <laughs> so it really drained me. But um, but yeah, it's something that I've been always familiar with, you know, yeah. getting to the water, getting wet, and then obviously the beaches. So mm-hmm. um, from there, I just I explored my options and the opportunities that what can we do to sort of um, combine the business opportunity, obviously, but also with how to save my home, you know, mm-hmm. which is Indonesia. And uh, I really think that this you could scale this up, not just in Indonesia, but everywhere else. Yeah. yeah true and uh was that decision to open up your company before you moved to bali or kind of the reason why you moved to bali no it was it was before Uh, so when i held my office job i traveled back and forth to bali to really Mm -hmm. validate my um business assumptions i would say Mm -hmm. um to validate the idea to validate the internet researches that i've been doing um because obviously it will need money, right? It would mm-hmm. need some funding to do this. And um, yeah, I spent about 18 months to go around Bali, to go into kampongs, to find my tailors, um, mm. just make samples, receive uh, fabric uh, swatches and everything. And um, after I found one tailor, a group of tailor, his name is Made and it's his team, who's able to really... Um, create something to create my shorts and it looked perfect it's definitely high quality i really love it um i decided this is it like i can't Mm -hmm. really do like office time and like spend half my time in bali so i decided Mm -hmm. to quit my full-time job oh wow move to bali and (laughs) start your new full-time job (laughs) exactly yeah so that was 18 months ago you moved here no that was six months ago i moved here yeah i spent 18 months going back and forth between right. Bali and okay. Jakarta. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Doesn't is that isn't that tiring? Oh, it was yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would spend my weekends here yeah. and then I would have to like fly back on Monday morning to oh go straight gosh. into the office, yeah. Wow. So how did the idea come about to kind of create swim shorts? Um cuz you mentioned like how to make a business out of this, but how did right. you end up doing that whole the, the whole idea is from from what was it uh, in your instagram from oh short from to short shorts. to shorts yes yeah so the uh, the idea is is fairly simple i think first and foremost it's because my love for the ocean um and also uh, i'm working this business i'm working with a business partner mm-hmm. um he's from austria from vienna and he's also a good friend of mine from college so we do a lot of uh, diving trips together and so we wanted to create something that has to do with water or water sports. So we found out why not take something that was once a pollutant from the ocean and turn it into something that people could actually wear, and it could be a um, you know an icon, a conversational starter that you could start talking to 
other people about it and you know because one of the um i guess a a hindrance when it comes to sustainability or sustainable apparel or fashion is that not a lot of people are talking about it Mm -hmm. and we all know that when it comes to fashion when it comes to apparel word of mouth is almost as good as you know a five-star review right you would say like oh look at that gucci bag look at that Mm -hmm. lv but no one talks about like look at that sustainable look at that recycled t-shirt look at that recycled yeah so i wanted that to be one of the spearhead in in terms of um business strategy for for this brand and to get people talking to get Mm -hmm people intrigued and interested because i feel like um sustainable apparel is i mean i'm not i'm not the first one to do this let me just say that right it's already there um but it caters to such a small and niche market which which i think is uh Mm -hmm. the those people who are already interested and understand about eco-friendly materials Mm -hmm. but the bigger market um, are the ones that don't understand eco-friendly materials and how to tap into that market I feel is to really combine sustainable approach and um, mainstream uh, sort of mainstream demand and mainstream market Mm -hmm. uh, together and that's um, that's why I wanted to make it from shore to shorts nice so you kind of want to make something that's really you know, uh, innovative, more accessible to people who wouldn't necessarily be part of this already. Right. Yeah. Small exactly. Circle of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just make it fun, you know, because yeah. um, both you, me and you, my sorry, both me and my business partner, we're not like we're I'm not the, the you know, I'm not I'm not a vegan mm-hmm. and I still do things that I I'm, I think that I'm not perfect when it comes to like sustainable approach. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot of improvements that I could do. And I still try to do it, right. you know, and I think that that is what matters. But um, my point is that uh, my point is that we, we want to do this the fun way. We mm-hmm. want to make this brand into a fun brand. You know, sustainability doesn't have to be rigid. It doesn't have yeah. to be, oh, you're a tree hugger. It doesn't have to be that. It could be fun. You could party, mm-hmm. but you could party, <laughs> you know, like consciously and yeah. then responsibly. That, so that's what we're trying to push with this that's brand. That's so cool. I yeah. think a lot of people, you're right, associate um eco-conscious behaviors with like this rigid lifestyle which i think is really fun that you're doing that and um also it's really important that you know you mentioned that you're not vegan you're not doing all these things like i think people tend to think that if you jump into it you have to cover all the ticks right being environmentalist when just doing one small thing is already quite a lot exactly yeah Um, you need to start somewhere right yeah exactly Um, so what has that process kind of looked like from having the idea to doing the research, sourcing the materials, finding the tailors, and then, you know, working with your business partner and are you hiring a team now and what's it looking like um, in these stages? (laughs) Oh, um, to be honest with you, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty exhausting. I didn't think that it's going to be, um, this difficult mm-hmm. but um i have to say that it's so much fun and i wouldn't have it any other way it's mm-hmm. i mean i have to i i constantly feel like i constantly feel like i'm working on this thing alone um although i do have business partner and some people that, that are helping me right now but 
um, it's um, my comparison is with my previous job in an office where you know I have a um, full functioning team with my manager. There's an order. There's a system in place, right? So mm-hmm. it's so different uh, uh, than my situation right now. Uh, we talked before that um, I had to get up in the morning, write my agenda, um, because otherwise I would just feel like I'm super unproductive for the rest of the day. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot of um, self-discipline mm-hmm. i feel yeah and to to really be able to see a bigger picture because uh what i realized is that with with doing my own business i feel like there's a lot of tiny problems that that um i hadn't necessarily anticipated before but then if i just you know if i if i really focus on that smaller problems and try to f- you know finish everything at once i just I tend to forget the bigger picture mm-hmm. and I would just feel so demotivated. So I need to keep on reminding myself, okay, why are we, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Then I'll say, okay, you know, one step at a time, solve this problem yeah. and then we take the next step and solve the second problem. So not to get distracted by these little things that kind right. of almost become an excuse to stop you from right. moving yeah. forward, right? Yeah. Do you ever get any like um, support or help from your parents in the sense that they have you know all this knowledge in in that similar business yeah definitely um i feel very um i feel very lucky mm-hmm. because uh my parents business are pretty much uh similar to what i'm doing right now mm-hmm. so i mean they've been very supportive since day one um they were skeptical yeah i think there's they still are a little <laughs> bit but um they don't hold back when it comes to like um contacts and resources in that sense oh, you know that yeah whenever i yeah. approach them and i ask them about can you, uh, you know, can you connect me to one of your, you know, like um, expedition or a uh, uh, freight forwarder um, number? And yeah, they just gave it to me. But I have to make all the, obviously the con. I, I need to contact them myself mm-hmm. and all these things. But yeah, but I think they're pretty supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And I and aside from my parents, I, I really have to give it to like the people around me that um, they're also entrepreneurs and I talk to them about my struggles. I talk to them about my little success. I think it's very important to talk about both mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, you know where you are right now, but you know, you're also doing a good job, but you could do more in, in that sense. Yeah. And to hear it from somebody else, it's it also motivates me to like, just push forward Yeah, and celebrate the little successes. Exactly. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Was it? scary to begin with to kind of jump away like realize you have to jump away from that stability of the office hours and go into (laughs) your own kind of adventure yeah yeah it's um it's very scary it it was very scary um i was offered a position outside of indonesia obviously with with a significant raise on my pay as well so it was either you know um getting like a stable job with a stable income and obviously living in a different country in a you know different environment which i think is very exciting Mm -hmm. or to like pursue something that i've been passionate with something that i've been interested in and i've been wanting to do it and in the end i felt like it's it's you know doing this moving to bali Mm -hmm. pursuing my my dream pursuing this um this business idea this project is it's a passion project for me right it's not just a business so yeah this is um i i haven't regretted it in mm, a bit yeah that's amazing it plus it's like one of those things where uh people say that all the time where 
is what you're doing making you excited to wake up in the morning exactly right? yeah so that's good and um during our river chat <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> something that actually really piqued my interest which is that it was actually cheaper or easier to be doing recycled or sustainable fashion uh yeah so that conversation i actually uh, actually got it from after talking to um a senior manager from a Indonesia's uh, biggest yarn manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So what he told me is that so there are two types of because a recycled plastic you could turn it into essentially a polyester, mm -hmm. right? So the in that case the two types of polyester you could find would be a virgin polyester, which is the new type, or a recycled polyester. So a virgin polyester, for example, the cost of producing and um, a yard long of a virgin polyester would be a uh, dollar 30 cents while recycled polyester would be 10 to 15 cents less and that's a yard and nobody buys a yard right for me as a small scale business i buy 300 yards of fabric roll so i mean that would be significant the number um and that's just a small example of it yeah yeah so if you think about the uh, production uh, if you think about the uh uh, the production process of virgin polyester you would know why it's actually cheaper because virgin polyester you would have to make it out of petroleum which is like one it's costly second it's it's so toxic costly to the environment too. exactly <laughs> right costly to the environment as well so i mean and so for me knowing that it really baffled me up until today why why isn't this an mm. industry standard right. if it's if it's actually cheaper and um, the the quality is just the same, mm -hmm. why are aren't we doing this? Why don't why don't you know all the big brands do this? So yeah. it's kind of weird. Um, one thing that I also figured out is that when I ask people about um, recycled the word recycled material, recycled fabric, mm -hmm. first thing that came to their mind would be, oh, it's because it's of a lower quality because it's um it's not very it's not very nice it's not very good so understanding that that is understanding those stigma i would say i'm trying to challenge them okay you know what when my shorts is done take a look at it use it um and tell you know, me and tell me if it's better like quality <laughs> exactly tell me if it's a lower quality um you know like just use it for serving use it to go diving and it's just like mm -hmm try to tear it apart or <laughs> just <laughs> cut it into pieces and tell me if it's a lower quality because I do want to know first of all but sec because I do believe it's it's not of a lower quality yeah. at all I think it's, it's just exactly just the, same. the same yeah yeah and I think it's weird that a lot of sustainable products is often associated with more costly prices right yeah I it should mean that wonder. way it's it's yeah. like it's like salad you know yeah. do you know I, yeah why is salad more exactly expensive? <laughs> it's, it's just like why is salad more expensive i mean you just plug it out of the garden right yeah <laughs> yeah but um yeah that is still a mystery to me why why are they marketing um recycled materials as something that is expensive yeah or less better quality um okay so i guess that's that's already kind of uh, a tap into my next question, which is what kind of challenges have you faced besides the whole, you know, having to go against that stigma, but also suddenly having to hold yourself accountable for your work hours. Right. And uh, yeah, just what what sort of ups and downs have you faced since the beginning of this project? 
Um, well, I had um, an employee before, and I had one employee that quit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't a pleasant experience, but... Is that I, a first time? It was thing? the first time, yeah. Oh. But I definitely learned a lot from it. Um, but that was a bit of a... I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, that was a bit of a heartbreak as well for me, right? Because I thought uh, we're on this sort of same path same vision and i always try to sort of nurture but then um you know if it's not the right fit it's not the right fit the only thing i could do is to learn from because something definitely went wrong if you know if 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 he quits so i i had to learn from that experience Mm -hmm. but now then you know kind of what to look for exactly what kind of person that i look for next Yeah. yeah um so that's one um i would say another one would be of financial struggles 100% it's so I probably wouldn't advise this to anybody but when I quit my full-time job I sort of um, liquidated some of my pension fund <laughs> from the government and to use it as um, to use it uh, to kickstart my my business mm-hmm. So it's probably not the most sound business uh, advice that you would hear from anybody but um, but one thing that I would say is that a bit of an advice if I could give is that um, you need to put your skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You need to put some skin in the game. Otherwise, if you feel like you have nothing to lose, uh, you're not going to be as motivated. For me, um, for me, this project is is everything. Mm-hmm. For me, this project um, is, is, is it's bigger than myself, first of all, but also because dude it's my like pension money <laughs> in this in this project so i your, really your need to make it work you know what i mean yeah yeah so so that there's a lot at stake for you there's a lot of stake yeah. for me and the shift in lifestyle when i was in jakarta obviously i spend more i go out more but here because um i don't have a steady income and right now i haven't started selling my product yet so i'm sort of still living on my savings so I really need to be really conscious about like the things that I'm that I'm spending on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And has COVID kind of affected your your progress on all of that? Yes. hundred um, <laughs> percent. Yeah, for sure. So I get I source some of my materials from outside of the country. Mm-hmm. So there. So immigrations and costumes have been pretty tricky in the last couple of in the last couple of months. Uh, so some of my products, some of my raw materials are still held at the uh, the port somewhere in Indonesia. Oh no! <laughs> I can't get it out. So um, you can't make uh, you can't make n- productions right now. Yeah, not production right now, oh. not yet. But um, I'm optimistic that it will come out in about <laughs> a month. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I I with this question, I want to shed a bit of a light on my tailors, if mm-hmm. if I could. Um, because I feel like that's the biggest impact that I've seen firsthand. For me, with this, you know, my problem with this, it didn't affect my livelihood. But for my tailors, because I work with uh, local tailors here, so they had um, a really big open space uh, workshop in Jalan Brawa. It's really nice. Um, Batmade had like around 15 or more 20, 20 tailors working for him. Um, but obviously, because of COVID, the uh, the demand slumped, and he had to close down that workshop. He moved to a much smaller workshop now, um, and yeah, I've been spending some time with him, asking him like, how can I do sort of to help? 
um oh, and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about like giving food or giving charity i'm just talking about like is there any does he have any kids in his neighborhood that needs like teachings for example like mm-hmm. math tutoring or english tutoring oh, wow. all oh, these yeah. Goes little back things to your passion yeah working with kids yeah because um i mean right now i'm not in the position to be able to um to uh, support financially mm-hmm. somebody else um but there's always something else that yeah. you could give you know and don't just assume that it's only money that they need because mm-hmm. sometimes they probably just need a friend someone yeah. to talk to i i like to hang out at Mari's workshop you know just to sit down talk with him and stuff it's nice it's fun and and he's also you know that's part of why i'm doing this is community engagement mm. and if i can't support them financially yet uh, i know that i can do a, something else you know mm-hmm. yeah i think that's also a really interesting point that you brought up that in this pandemic that a lot of other innovative problem solving things have come up or people have started looking at other alternative ways of helping um, work and all these things just to survive essentially right yeah yeah for sure so um i actually didn't think about that so thanks for bringing that up that sometimes they need more help than just food yeah because yeah because schools are closed down right they they don't go to school as these kids so so yeah teaching english teaching some other courses (laughs) what what are you i mean are you doing anything with the kids right now just English and honestly right now it's just um I've done English just lessons being their friend. <laughs> yeah and just like just play around with them just talk to them being silly you know? <laughs> <laughs> being their friends big brother and stuff yeah. yeah oh that's so fun um so kind of what what are your hopes uh because I don't want to just put in a whole negative thing but what are your hopes um and you seem pretty os- optimistic about the brand itself what what kind of do you see moving forward uh, for the future of your brand right um so i pr- i should probably start by saying the the brand's name is patemar so patemar means stewards of the ocean the re- uh, my vision for patemar is uh for the brand to be a lifestyle brand mm-hmm. so we're starting with swim shorts because we feel like it's something personal to us but we definitely want to grow it into and sort of evolve the brand into something that you probably want to use daily. For example, um, your sunscreen. That is, um, it's it's very hard to find a reef-friendly sunscreen. So there's when you look at opportunities, uh, when you look at your the things that you use daily, then you start to you start to find little things that you could help to improve. You mm-hmm. could help to change and. Um, I want Patemar to evolve into that kind of brand, the one mm-hmm. that sees daily things, the necessary daily things, um, simple things such as the swim shorts, such as, I don't know, maybe like a water bottle or something. Mm-hmm. The ones that you use daily, but you just improve it a little bit and it will you know, help the planet. It will help people around you. And still be fun. And still be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And um, just going back onto something, because I think it was uh one of the things i struggle with as well is that you mentioned having your own work hours and now it's your own full-time job um, and having no one else to really hold you accountable um that can be kind of difficult right to keep the motivation going and to be like okay i don't have a set schedule but i need to make my own schedule for this day and this week how do you 
handle that and what are some sort of steps or solutions you take? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Having a mentor helps a lot. So it's keeping you in check, really. Um, Yeah, so you need to make, um, aside from yourself, accountable, but you need to have someone that will keep you accountable Mm -hmm. to whatever that you're saying that you're going to do. So someone goes hey you have to have exactly this <laughs> yeah basically like it's it's putting someone to be quote-unquote your manager right yeah yeah and and that really helped me who's, also, who's that for you um it's uh it's one of my professor actually back oh, in nice. my university so yeah uh she's been helping me with with uh, some business ideas as well and you know when i just need i i feel like i needed someone to brainstorm with mm-hmm. and she has a bit of a background in um in what I'm doing right now so yeah so she's been helping me quite a lot mm-hmm. um, but also to I think I mentioned it a bit is to connect to other entrepreneurs to connect to people like-minded individuals I would say it doesn't have to be an entrepreneur but definitely like-minded individuals I think that gets me going yeah just you know by talking to you the other day at the mm-hmm. river watch uh, when I'm when I got back home, you know, I'm, I'm just so tired and I was so smelly from, <laughs> from the, <laughs> the river cleanup, you know. But um, I took shower and then I started working again because, oh, you know what? Hearing your feedback, it was, for me, that meant a lot because, Aww. you know, because it's, it's one of those things where you really like, for example, if you, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but when you have a puppy you know you would love that puppy to death because your puppy is so cute right yeah but then other people might not find your puppy as cute as you think your puppy is Uh so okay that's sometimes that is something that i'm pretty afraid of like i think this business this project is very attractive but it's probably just because that's my baby you know hearing it hearing (laughs) it from somebody else hearing it from you hearing it from um other people that i've uh, encountered uh a conversation with saying something similar saying something like this could be this could be you know applied everywhere else this is something that you could you should definitely do and that gave me a lot of motivations that gave yeah that gets me going and it's just it helps that's very nice oh i'm glad to hear that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but so, so thank you that um, I'm, I'm very glad and that's part of the reason why i'm here in bali i feel like mm-hmm. them aside from from the energy there's a, definitely a community that that could help me to grow as a as a person but also as uh, as professionally as well i feel like going on those i feel i've been really into this whole um doing the doing the trash walk or going out into the field and doing the dirty work mm-hmm. per se um really helps too because if you see directly what the way that it's right. affecting yeah. our environment or even our bodies then mm-hmm. you are more motivated to do something yeah a hundred percent for yeah. sure so um, just as a final thing, which is a, a perfect segue to it, too, uh, I always like to end this on a very, what's your, uh, what's your words of wisdom for people? Do you have, a, <laughs> do you have a, it doesn't exactly have to be the, a words of wisdom, but mm-hmm. philosophy of life or something that really motivates you to keep moving forward, not just in the brand side of it, but you as a person to wake up every morning. <laughs> right um something that keeps you moving towards your goals for me is vision casting is very important so that's probably something that i would say um to anybody it doesn't have to be what what exactly is vision casting a vision casting is 
it could be as simple as you know me telling you where do I know where do I want to go where do I want to be um, in ten years in fifteen years and keep on repeating that you know when you because when you start repeating that when you start enunciating or, or verbally say those things your visions you sort of manifest it mm. into you know into people's your actions yeah your actions exactly so. For me, it's, it applies both in my personal life and also in in this in Patemar in the business that I'm doing right now. Because um, one thing I've learned is that when you start to cast your visions into your employees, into the people you work with, they're also as motivated. They would think that okay, what I'm doing right now is not useless because right now we still don't have anything, right? We don't have sales. We still there's no. It's like we're still planting a seed and there's no fruit yet. You know, it might take a year. It might take a year and a half, but that's the reason why um, we need to, you know, you need to cast our visions to basically to water that seed, to water that plant mm-hmm. until it, you know, it becomes a real fruit that you could bear the um, the benefit of it. Yeah, wonderful. Sometimes <laughs> it takes your unique voice to influence other people as well. Yeah, very yeah. true. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rudy. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. (laughs) If the audience and the listeners here were interested to learn more from you, how would they be able to reach you? I mean, um, you can reach me through any social media is fine, really. I mean, on Instagram or like my emails. What's your handle or your email? Email is Rudy, R-U-D-Y, at patemar. That's spelled P-A-T-E-M-A-R dot com. Yeah. At gmail.com or oh Rudy no, at patemar.com. Okay, nice. Sorry, yeah. I got no, no worries. And um, the brand is called Patemar. Correct. Uh, where can people find more information about that? Uh, right now we're still pretty much offline, but we should be online starting next month. I mean, our website will be patemar.com, um, and we do have Instagram called uh, at Patemar Shorts. Yeah, Patemar Shorts. Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to... I forgot it for a second. Yeah, it's, it's Patemar Shorts. All right, go ahead and give that a follow, everyone, if you're interested. Yeah. And there you have it. Thank you to all you listeners for tuning in to this episode of our podcast. Let us know what kinds of conversations you'd like to listen to on the Seven Stones podcast. Otherwise, we will see you on our next episode. Mm-hmm.